1: in last episode of Olive of grace finale the grand finale it was short-lived but it was well-lived good book that you chose for us um
2: yeah I've enjoyed it
1: I this this section that we are discussing uh is closely related with last section mm-hmm of the fruits of regeneration really um, what so you, is this the first time that you've read this book yes okay Um, this is finale so this is a fitting question for the finale how would you describe all of grace to someone who has never read it after reading it for the first time you just finished it this week I'm assuming Yeah. how would you
2: describe it uh, it's a book about uh, oh that's a good question I would it's a book about the beginning middle and end of the gospel but not the gospel itself it's not the story of he's 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 not trying to explain the life, death, resurrection of Christ, but uh, but the gospel saving someone. So it's the okay, so it's the beginning, middle, and end of the Christian life is really what it is. So in that sense it's kind of like a sermon version, if you will, of pilgrim's progress. Okay. Gospel comes to you. He gives an evangelistic call at the beginning. And then he talks about sanctification and now we can say that he concludes with uh perseverance of the saints and glorification mm. maybe not glorification but perseverance of the saints is he's concerned with assurance he's concerned with um making sure that the the reader knows that it's the grace of Christ that is going to keep them until in, until the end so that that's, I mean, really what it's all about. Uh, but in conclusion, form so, you know, you're you're justified by grace, regenerated by grace, sanctified by grace, and then kept by grace until uh, death or glory. You persevere by grace. So all of all of the Christian life, all of salvation. Uh, it's all of grace.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's not a one sentence, but that's the summary of the book.
1: It's a good summary. I have a point to make on that, and then I want to ask you another question. Um, that is where it gets confusing for some people how even, uh, so like we've used the term monergism and synergism. If there's any females listening to the podcast, I know you don't know those terms. <laughs> it's...
2: <laughs> so, so there's that somebody, one female. Who somebody gets some. Somebody gets some caffeine in this dude.
1: There's that one female who who's read a lot of theology that I've made really mad. Only, only the good thing for me is there's only one.
2: Hey, <laughs> maybe, yeah, okay. So, anyways, out of, out of our listeners, yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. yes. Monergism, synergism. Uh, It gets confusing for people because when you say that justification is monergistic, we say, okay, sure, yes, I know. But when you say this, sanctification is also monergistic. Wait a minute, but that's uh, 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 an important part of my sanctification is my obedience and my this Mm -hmm. and my that and my others. Mm -hmm. I grant that. We all grant that. Uh, But it's this... Near paradoxical idea that, um, it is still all of God that gives you all of your holiness. Yeah, you cannot yeah, yeah. muster up this holiness for yourself. Um, your obedience without the monergistic work of God will lead you to moral moralism, mm-hmm. empty moralism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, even as you said, all of your sanctification. Is monergistic, Yeah. And what we're going to read about um, and and start talking about in a few minutes is that even your perseverance is dependent upon God. And so it's not like look to Christ completely for justification, but when it comes to your perseverance, look to Christ and then yourself. Mm -hmm. But he's saying, even in your perseverance, stop looking at yourself. Look to Christ and all of that. Yeah, that's a key. And which... That doesn't, a lot of people will start talking about that and land in antinomianism. He
2: he talks about that too.
1: He talks about (laughs) that. Um, He, in this section, still says, look, which I'm I'm jumping ahead here, but it's so beautiful. I love how he put it, how isn't it a blessed thing that the Lord saved you from your sins? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. it's one thing for you to be, um, saved and considered safe. Now you're saved and considered blameless. Yeah, you know. Yeah. We, we the uh, the next question I have for you: What sort of Christian would you recommend this book to? All indiscriminately, or and if it's all indiscriminately, uh, what who is it especially good for?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not. It, it's one of the books. I think that's. One of the objectives of the podcast is to pick books that all we should we could say all Christians should read this book. Um, whether you're, you know, even if you're speaking a different language, you're probably not listening to this podcast. But even if you're speaking a different language, it would be good if this book was translated so that you could read it. Um. So, in that sense, it's a good it's a good recommendation, uh, for, uh, for most Christians. Um, it's a, um, I think it's a good book to give, uh, pr- I mean, primarily his focus is evangelistic. And so it makes the most sense to give it to honestly, give this book to somebody you're evangelizing or, uh, I'm not talking about mate I'm not talking about necessarily like street evangelism, like rapid exchange. Uh, although that that's uh, not those sorts of things, but usually evangelistic uh, relationships or opportunities where okay, this is somebody that you're having you're able to have sustained conversations with. Uh, give them, you know, give them all the grace. It's a, I mean, we said this at the beginning. It's an it's an essentially a large gospel tract is what it is. Yeah. Um, uh, or the new Christian. I mean, that's another lot it's another logical, um, you know, person to give it to. Yeah. Great. It's like it's great introductory material on the. The Christian life. Okay, what is... What is... Big picture, how does this work? How does this thing work? Mm-hmm. What is the Lord doing? That's what I would say. What about you?
1: Yeah. Um, it is clearly intended for unbelievers. hmm How oh, he is constantly making the gospel call. Yeah. To yeah. To the reader. But... I'm thinking in reality, the likelihood of an unbeliever reading a book like this. It's yeah, hard to get believers to read books like this. It's hard that's to get true. believers to read theology. And let me preface uh let me um explain the, the, the female joke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it's you can come back like five minutes later? <laughs> they're
1: they're already they're gone. Already
2: they're I, already gone.
1: It's clear the reason why
2: we're already canceled. This, <laughs> this isn't even gonna, I don't even know why we're still recording think, at this Thank point. goodness
1: we're not live. It's clear the reason why I'm uh said the female thing. Um, I would say 90. This is, I don't know this for sure. Blanketed statement clearly.
2: Hold on, listeners. When you hear me bleeping stuff out or trend bleeping stuff out, Cole is not cussing. He's, I'm just, say, he's yeah. just saying things that we want deleted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know what
1: he's going to say, though. Yeah, typically females, and partly understandably so, don't read theology. Yeah. So the terms monergism, synergism, that's not an everyday word. You know, that's, that's a Greek word, Greek compound word. And when, when someone re, ha, says the word monergism, you're like, okay, they've been reading some Bob Inc. Or they've mm-hmm. been reading some off or something like that. And so the reason why a female, like I, I can got, say.
2: They got a hold of a good R.C. Sproul lecture.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I've said the word monergism around Erica probably a hundred times now. I could go to her right now and ask her, hey, what does monergism mean? She's like, I don't know. One yeah, yeah. of your theology words. I can think of one girl. One. You could probably say that in front of and she would probably know what it is. Yeah. And you know a million girls. And I know a few. <laughs> <laughs> he knows about a million girls. So, um
2: he's partial to one though. But yeah.
1: here's the thing too, like, uh most of our listeners are men. But I could say the word monogism around most men that I know. I don't have a clue because they don't read theology. All that to circle back around and say reading is um is um rare thing for people now that's true so it'd be hard to get someone who needs to read this to read this but yeah, i
2: didn't think about that that's a good point
1: yeah for the christian who does pick up charles spurgeon to read this it, it's not at all like we read reading. like oh, this isn't for me like man yeah it's yes not, this it's is not uh
2: Skim milk.
1: Yes, this is a good reminder. This is strengthening to me. There's no way that a, even a, a believer who's been a believer for 10 years could not use these latest chapters that we just read that we're sure. about to talk about. For sure. In fact, um, a lot of Christians that we know now in this in this um, Bible belt that we've so kicked so often need to hear this, mm-hmm. need to be reminded this. this, um, need to be reminded that they don't, preserve themselves but also that they have been saved from their sin so um but if i if i did come across an unbeliever who yeah. i trusted would read this say they're of the reading type because there are people yeah. that just like to read yeah you know it's not um necessarily a result of the fall that people don't like to read there's just some people that are too busy or distracted or something but then there's other people it's who are a rather, result of the culture yeah for reading. sure For sure, Uh, some people would rather read than watch TV. You know, I I know several people like that. So if we that
2: person's rare, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, it's needed by all, and Spurgeon his his strength definitely was not his writing because his strength was his preaching. Um, But to pick up a book that Spurgeon wrote that uh, so closely resembles his purpose in his preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, is a good thing for a believer. It's a good thing for someone to come across. Um, so we start off with the fear of fa- final falling. Um,
2: I know we want to. I know we want to track ground, but you think people if people aren't reading? But where are they going for their information primarily now? YouTube, TikTok, no.
1: For sure. No. TikTok is putting Silicon Valley out of business. No way. Yes. All the advertisers yeah. are no longer.
2: Hashtag ban TikTok.
3: A, I think that's happening, isn't it?
2: Hashtag ban TikTok.
1: Yeah, it's about to be banned pretty soon. It should be. Well, China aside, uh, you know, China aside, the whole. Tr- it, it should be anyways. By yeah, It should be anyways.
3: Banned. Yeah. TikTok.
2: Yeah, I yeah. agree. Why, why should it be China aside? I want to ban it for China.
1: Well, yeah, sure. And that's why it's going to be banned, some people say. Um, the the damage it does to our culture. I think that it is a uh, work of God for, for TikTok to be
2: destroyed. I don't think... Just- right, but what's going to stop, obviously... Okay, apparently they're extremely successful. So, what are they doing that the other social media companies aren't, and what's going to stop them from just adopting? They already are. Man, I'm so out of touch. What what's going on?
3: I mean, I mean, because TikTok is basically just those little shorts, right? Well, like, it, like yeah, that you're just scrolling through yeah. little short videos. It's, it's basically the the revamping of Vine from forever ago. Yeah. Well, Instagram is doing the same thing. Lot of social oh, so Vine
2: was way before what yeah. Vine was way before its time. Yeah. yeah. So t- well, this yep. is this is how out of touch I am. So TikTok is only the short, the the shorts, little the clips. I, be- yeah.
3: I believe that's all it is. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Uh, so distracting. The algorithm, the algorithm is designed to be like cocaine. Like it's so good. Yeah, you're I constantly different.
2: I know it's different. It functions and gives different content. For the West than it does, yeah, China, or yeah, it's different sure. in China than it is. Yeah, and else.
1: China is like in, in, informative videos of how to make a warrior, and here it's like <laughs> <laughs> here it's like how to make a wimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. or or how to make a porn addict. Uh, well, I was porn addict, or yeah, because apparently I don't have TikTok. I, I refuse to, to get it, but
2: we we've talked about this before. My. I think we talked about this before. I don't have it, but my dad sends me TikToks.
1: Yes, yes, we have. <laughs> my dad sends me TikToks too. He should delete it and never get
2: on it. Hey, that's I know you have something to say, but last point on this that I know we want to get on to bigger and better things, but my thing I was at a restaurant uh with I think it was Tommy Walls and we're and we're looking around and the, um, uh, it was, it was at a time, mostly old people were in there and these old people were sitting down at the table, each of them on their phones. I'm like, okay, if that generation is hooked on whatever it is on these things, then there's, if they're hooked, then there's just no, yeah. I mean, this, you know, how do you, how do you get how away you from get, it? How do you get away from it? How do you beat this thing?
1: Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Gone. Uh, it's ruining the productivity of people. You were going to say something?
3: Oh, no. No, I think I just looked like I
2: was. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, man. Um, I'm not going to go on a TikTok rant. But if tic- you have TikTok, you should delete it. There's no excuse to have it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not a rant, just a TikTok rant. Like a, little a, little a little short. There's a little short for you. Just a little short TikTok it, version. See, that's how. See, that's how pervasive it is you don't even have tiktok and you can't even go on a proper rant anymore yeah i like (laughs) i'm stuck in these six second three second rant yeah
1: yeah Uh, um no it's putting silicon valley advertising out of business wow Um, yeah all the all the the advertising is is um, market share it's ruining google which a a lot
2: of (laughs) how's it ruining google
1: google gets most of their money if not all of it from advertising
2: uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Now people are starting to go to TikTok. That's the one good thing about TikTok. All these other big, woke, corrupt institutions, entities, <laughs> are starting to suffer. What I like about Babylon is Babylon also raids Assyria, if I can yeah, put it in true. Old Testament terms. Yeah. What I love about Babylon and how the Lord uses Babylon is the Lord doesn't use Babylon to just... Punish Israel. He also mm-hmm. uses Babylon to punish um, Edom and yeah. Syria. So um, there's there's the
2: what yeah. I there's have. that. Uh, this isn't the biblical terminology for it, but there's like that totem pole in Jeremiah. It talks about uh, the each level of the totem pole being iron, bronze, and whatever devouring the next one.
1: Yep. And I love to yeah, see the it.
2: Lord using the nations to. To judge one another.
1: I love to watch it.
2: Um, it's wild stuff. Okay, so perseverance. So, yeah, so yeah, but back to it somewhat relating to our podcast, that's where people are, um, That's instead of reading, that's what's kind of taken over. I can say that in my life is uh, uh, I go to YouTube a lot more than I used to. Um, in fact, I probably need to cut back, but I mean, there's just so many lectures on there. There's so many uh, ways of, of getting free and accessible information on there. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I guarantee you, I would read a lot more if YouTube did not exist.
3: Yeah. I've had to get rid of YouTube.
2: (sighs) How do you get, how did you get rid of YouTube?
3: Um, I mean, you just put you can just block it. Screen time. If you have an iPhone, if you have a different kind of phone, yeah. But what keeps away. you from
2: just putting in the code real quick and then?
1: Well, I don't know the watching. code.
2: Oh, you gave yeah, someone else yeah, the code. I don't have my own code. Oh, that's smart. smart.
1: That's smart. That's like middle tier holiness type stuff. <laughs> you're all. You, I'm sure there's some top tier stuff you're doing. That's like a solid upper to middle tier. Oh,
3: that was not. That was not my uh, idea, or not even. Uh, that did not originate from what I wanted. That's called when I was a teenager. My parents put that in place. Oh, and it just still You're still under stuck.
2: parental control. Uh, yeah.
3: yeah, I mean, they took when I got older, they took it off. But I was like, I just go ahead and put it back on.
1: Nice. Hmm. Well, so perseverance. Yeah. Information age. Information yeah. age. Uh. I would say this. We live in the information age. Most people are dumber than what they were in the 1600s. But that doesn't mean all people are dumb. You can use the information age. This iPhone that you yeah. have, yeah. you you can actually use YouTube for a lot of good info. Even if you're spending more time than the average person on YouTube, you can become a stronger, better, uh, more valuable person from it. But like you said, the convicting part about these TikTok grants is that or Reels. Is that uh, if they're called Reels, I think. On TikTok. Is it? I don't know. I uh, don't no. the, the convicting thing is like, wait a minute. I'm looking at all these other people, but there's actually things in my life taking away my reading time that I could cut back well, on to read more.
2: Well, it wouldn't be as bad if probably 100% of the time I am spending on YouTube is for books or uh, um, some sort of educational or value, but it's not. I mean, it sucks you in.
3: Yeah. It starts like that. And the next thing you know, you're like, yeah, it starts like, like that. It's how like to, to bake muffins. Like, yeah. It's like, how big of an explosion is this thing going to cause when you know, exactly. he shoots yeah, it or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. Or what or happens arm. when
1: you shoot a 50 cal with one arm?
3: <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Spurgeon says, A dark fear haunts the minds of many who are coming to Christ. They are afraid that they shall not persevere to the end. A few paragraphs later, he says, If we trust to ourselves for our holding on, we shall not hold on. Not to name names, but there are d- certain denominations that, and there are certain um Systems of thought that claim you must trust to yourself in order to hold on. Of course, mm-hmm. they're not going to put it that way. They're going to have caveats and yada yada yada. But if you reduce it down to its core, the 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 premise is you must trust to yourself in order to hold on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You, as a minister, have probably seen the pervasiveness of people either willingly or being deceived into somehow, some way, trusting in their self to hold on.
2: Yeah, the, I think the, um, you know, the thing I've seen most on this point isn't directly related to what he's addressing here, um, but it's... uh. You know, what you were talking about er earlier that he gets into is like, okay, well, who are you, who are you looking to, um, you know, who are you looking to as uh, your, it's not so much this, but it's a, a different form of struggling with assurance. It's like, okay, well, how do I know, how do I know that I'm actually saved? It's not that they're afraid of falling away. It's that yeah, they don't know that you know, they're they're struggling with assurance in the sense mm-hmm. of not being sure if they were originally even saved. So that's that's what I see, you know, that's kinda what I see most. Um Uh and along with that comes I mean it's a it's actually more common than what you think. It's the um you know, person who thinks that they've committed the imparnable sin and they can't be saved. Um, but, uh, I, th- I, it's my, th- it's my thought that if someone's actually concerned and worried that they've committed the imparnable sin, they haven't. They, <laughs> they, mm. Yeah, they haven't. Yeah. Um, if they did, they wouldn't be worried about it.
1: Right, there wouldn't be signs of graces uh, in their life. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Exactly. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be worried about offending the Lord, offending Christ, offending the Holy Spirit. Um. And uh, and desperate for you know desperate uh, for any sort of hope that that they can still be in Christ or with Christ somehow. Yeah. Like that's not, that's definitely not what the Lord's talking about in unpardonable sin.
1: Yeah. Um, Not to get into that, but to think about that in application of what you're saying is, it's kind of contradictory to um, claim that you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. when you're desiring the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah doesn't make sense
2: but to but to your point uh this is where people I'm not sure that I've counseled someone that's that's just thinking that I've really got to convince them that they can't keep their um that they're just worried about losing their salvation one day uh, that that doesn't seem maybe that was more popular um, in Spurgeon's day, than it is ours, especially here where we're at. I don't know; I could be wrong, but there is a tendency for Christians to begin to look at their own performance for uh, 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 f- as a means of grace in the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, they. Uh, they look at their own performance, in, um, in kind of you know kind of weighing out or evaluating their sanctification. Which, in, in one sense, you should. You know, we've got plenty of Bible verses for that. Um, examine yourselves. We see those words: examine yourselves. Uh, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Um. You know, we—that's a—that's a biblical New Testament teaching there. Um, but that—that that is an area where it could slide into kind of works-based. I would say works-based sanctification, mm-hmm. not necessarily, um, a, a conscious idea of I've got to, I've got to do this, or otherwise I'm going to loo- lose my salvation.
1: That's where Jonathan Edwards gets a bad rap. You can't find a stricter person in yeah. history. You can't. Put him on the table. Jonathan Edwards. He's going to trump the strictness card. His doctrine of justification starts to get a little weird because of that, because of his desire for holiness. You ever read Justification by Faith by Edwards? No. It's 100 pages long. Pick it up and read Sounds it.
2: Sounds like a classic.
1: You just gave me a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> you should just pick our books from now on because you pick the good ones. Hey, um, we'll uh, read the next one, and then we'll do Jonathan Edwards' Justification by Faith. That's going to give us a lot to read.
2: We don't have we don't have to read the next one.
1: No, no, no. Let's do the next one. I like the commitment to it. Okay. And then let's do Justification by Faith by Jonathan Edwards. All 100 right. pages long. It's going to give us a lot to talk about, not... With a lot of law passes to agree on, but a lot to maybe disagree on. It gets a little weird. He 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 says in a lot of points.
2: You talking so, about you think we will disagree? Yes. You and I. No, no,
1: no, no, no. Not us together. Oh, okay. I don't I can't think of anything that you and I would disagree on just systematically. Like just doctrinally. There may be some caveats and nuances. For sure. For sure. That we're gonna yeah. either word it differently or slightly disagree on. But no sort of like subjects we j ju- Going to all out disagree on. Mm-hmm. I can't think of one. Um, but when it comes to Edwards, there's going to be spots in that book that we disagree with. Mm. He gives a lot of classic reformed definitions of justification by faith. Yes, looks just like Benjamin Keach, the marrow of true justification. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but he starts to say, in some points, there's a part of justification where the Lord looks to the future, your future works. And applies them to your justification in the present. Like that is weird. Yeah, Starting,
2: to yeah, to Starting to add works to justification.
1: Starting to add works to sanctification for sure. But they start to get so introspective, this Jonathan Edwards mm-hmm. introspection with but they don't have Jonathan Edwards' ability to just maintain hold of Christ completely. The Edwards was able to be introspective and still completely hold on to Christ. They don't have that ability Edwards did. And so they start to doubt themselves. And because they have been given this uh, presupposition that you can't lose your salvation, they start to say what you say. Well, maybe I was never in it. Right. That's really right. just us rewording. Maybe I'm losing my salvation. We just have repackaged it into something else. Maybe I never actually was Maybe my baptism was false, and my confession was false, and I just never did these. Da, da, da. I would,
2: yeah, I would say that's the more common thing yes. for our day and culture, though.
1: Yes, for sure.
2: I I think a, a sign of a healthy church today in Arkansas, I'll just say, in the south, in the Bible Belt, is re-baptisms. You should be having— Yes. I think that's a sign of a healthy— uh, I'm not saying if you're not doing that, if you're not experiencing that, you're not a healthy church. I'm just saying it is a sign of a healthy church if you if you find yourself performing re-baptisms. Uh, just because of the mass uh, kind of easy believism evangelism that has pervaded our culture uh, until recently.
3: Okay. I'm glad you clarified that because even in a, a lot of the easy believism churches, you have people who get re Well, I'm rededicating, and they get baptized right. like 10 times. So, no.
1: yeah, clarify real quick. Are you saying churches should re-baptize?
3: Yes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. It, we, in a different
1: way, obviously.
2: Uh, Yeah, it's it's uh that people should be recognizing hate, their false conversion. uh. Uh, the, you know, false conversion. Oh, yeah. You know, classic example is, you know, a church camp or VBS as a kid. Uh, and the kind of sinner's prayer evangelistic call at the end. Uh, I mean, there's countless, there's countless who have, you know, professed and been baptized, but actually haven't been regenerated. Uh, and so I think that's a normal thing to see in a gospel ministry. Rebaptizing people that fit 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 kind of that description. Uh, Where was I going with that? What were we talking about?
1: You're talking about um, our culture not really believing in losing salvation, but uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a sense in that. uh, There's a sense in that 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 is good and right. And they know, and it is a biblical concept, if they departed from us, they were never they were never of us. So let, let's just establish that on the front end because I actually want to not disagree with you on this point. I'm agreeing with you. But I want to establish, okay, this is, uh, okay, biblical. That's right. That is accurate biblically. But what you're saying is experientially, that's why people are, mm-hmm they're not saying necessarily what Spurgeon is addressing. And like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep my salvation. I'm worried mm. about losing it, but because one saved, always saved has pervaded the mindset of religious life, especially where we're at. Um, uh, and it is a biblical concept that if they depart from us, they never were actually of us. Most people are responding. Well, Maybe I'm not actually saved or never was saved, uh, uh, either rightly or wrongly, uh, rather than I'm good. Uh, rather than, uh, uh, th- you know, worry that they're going to lose their salvation.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you did that because one thing we like to do often in reading these classics is take them and, and make them fit our day in our mm-hmm. culture. That's like what we did with Pilgrim's Progress. That's what we like to do a lot. What we did with Lex Rex. I'm glad you did that because that was fitting. Uh, makes it more applicable to us. Because um, that's that's what it is. Um, I would probably differ a little bit on the whole act
2: of rebaptism. So we actually agree? No. <laughs> or we actually disagree?
1: <laughs> I don't even say that we disagree on that. Yeah. I think it's a case-by-case thing. I think there's sometimes... A people, a person is running to rebaptism too hastily. Mm-hmm. Like in my case, in my yeah. case, there was a lot of sin after my salvation. Yeah, but I was still, but I I would still agree with what you're saying for sure.
3: Yeah, I think sure. I think I agree with case by case because in, in my case, I got baptized at nine. I know for a fact at nine I was not saved, and then even after getting saved, um, I wrestled with getting rebaptized for months because i was like do i need to is it needed am i doing this just because it's well you know i was i was afraid of doing the the other thing of just like well let me rededicate type attitude i was like i want to know i need to get rebaptized um see i think there's a right way to go about it yeah
2: I mean, this book isn't about baptism. Were you ever rebaptized? I was. I was. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Why have you not been baptized?
2: Yeah, that's what I was about to. That's <laughs> exactly where I was about to go. <laughs> as soon as you Why have you so not been, wor- been re-baptized? I'm worried about your salvation and stuff. Um, that's that's a great. Uh, I'm putting that in the next evangelism. <laughs> <pelican>. <laughs> Why have you not been I mean, baptized?
1: Yeah. If you look to Christ for your beginnings, beware of looking to yourself for your endings.
2: That's. Now now we're cooking. Now we're cooking.
1: Listen to this. Hey, he's about to be spin flame. He is alpha. See to it that you make him omega also. Dude.
2: That. Yeah. Man. If Spurgeon is, uh, only if Spurgeon wrapped, he would have been. He would
1: be so good. Yeah. If you begin in (laughs) this. If you begin in the spirit, you must not hope to be made perfect by the flesh. He's thinking of Galatians chapter four right there. Then, okay, so we're we're saying this. This is easy to catch on to. Look to Christ for yourself. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean for someone to look to Christ? He says this on page ninety-three. The believer's personal wants make it inevitable that he should daily draw from the great source of all supplies. Mm -hmm. For what could he do if he could not resort to his God? I'll skip a page later, and and I'll see this and, and show. Here's another reason why believers should want to draw from the great source of God every single day. All of us, he says on page 94, first paragraph, even if we have no constitutional temptation to fickleness, must feel our own weakness if we are really quickened of God. Dear dear reader, do you not find enough in any one single day to make you stumble? Yeah. You that desire to walk in perfect holiness, as I trust you do. You that have set before you a high standard of what a Christian should be, do you not find that before the breakfast things are cleared away from the table, you have displayed enough folly to make you ashamed of yourselves? Mm. So I'm going to repeat that quote, he says on 93 again. Uh, The believer's personal wants make it inevitable that he should daily draw from the great source of all supplies. So... What he is starting to say then here is not only look, just be comforted. You're not going to fall away. But look, God is preserving you. Yeah. But you see your weakness. Yeah. You see your frailty. Does that not make you want to look to God even more? Yeah. Amen. So do you want to be comforted that you're not going to fall away? Look to Christ. hmm But... Does not your weakness that you see in your own self make you want to look to him every single day? Yeah. And in doing so, in being reminded of your own inability to save yourself and to preserve yourself, you continue to look to Christ more. And in looking at Christ more, you're reminded that he is preserving you every single day. It's this blessed cycle of our hopeful salvation.
2: Yeah, I think Spurgeon in the conclusion calls it fresh grace. Yes, uh, it's uh, that's that's our daily bread is the the grace of Christ uh, that that preserves us, nourishes us day by day by day. <coughs> yeah, that's the whole point. He's dealing with in Spurgeon fashion. Uh, he. Uh, he takes you know one verse two verses and uh, uh, and basically writes you know the last three you know th- last three chapters on it First Corinthians 1 7 through 9 is what he's uh, what he's working with in these chapters our Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord, Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, And he begins by saying this language silently emits a great need by telling us how it is provided for wherever the Lord makes a provision. We are quite sure that there was a need for it since no superfluities uh, is that a right pronunciation?
1: What does that yeah. mean? I know what it means, but it'd be good for us going down. It's kind
2: of like it's not. It's not superfluous, is what I think it means.
1: Okay, you're defining a word by using the word that you're defining.
2: <laughs> no, I think <laughs> it's different. It's, it's, yeah, it's the same word. Yeah, it's the same word. No, it's exact same
1: word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is
2: it? super? Okay. Fluities.
1: You'd have to look up what superfluous means. S u p e r.
2: I'm pretty sure Google can handle a different. True.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Not
3: unless TikTok is taking all okay. the money away I got, from. I got the
2: definition right
3: here. The quality or condition of being superfluous.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to Google superfluous. Google superfluous. Go- yeah.
3: Go- Google. Uh, <laughs> Google. Pull the danny. Yeah.
1: They, Google see, disability. Google's lost all their money to hire good definers, so they're having to they hire people like Danny. <laughs> they got me working okay, for I got now. It. We'll pay you thirty-five thousand dollars a
3: year to <laughs> being beyond what is required or sufficient. All right, overachiever.
2: Um, Read it again. Read it again. Okay. Wherever the Lord makes a provision, we are quite sure that there was a need for it, since no superfluities encumber the covenant of grace. So there's nothing there more than necessary. Yeah. Um, the, uh, golden, uh, golden shields hung in Solomon's courts, which were never used, but there are none such in the armory of God. What God has provided we shall surely need. Between this hour and the consummation of all things, every promise of God and every provision of the covenant of grace will be brought into requisition. Mm-hmm. I want to use this as a little bit of a little bit of a launching point uh, to the main uh it's related to the chapter it's just not working through exactly what Spurgeon Spurgeon is saying here although he does he does go into it but it's talking about Christ being the alpha if we're going to make him the alpha we need to make him the omega Uh, The scripture says that he is the author and finisher of our faith. Um, How is it that we know we're going to be, we're going to persevere? It's because it's based off of the, okay, it's based off of the, uh, the work, it's, everything's always based off, based off of the works of Christ. Um. This goes back to I don't want to get in the weeds, but this goes back all the way to the uh, uh, all the way to the um, Abrahamic covenant in a way uh, because in God's covenant with Abraham, he guarantees that uh, Abraham's offspring is going to fulfill the covenant this made with Abraham. God says He is going to fulfill it Himself. Well, how is how is that to come about? Well, because we know from uh, the New Testament and the coming of Christ that that promised offspring that guarantee was Jesus Christ Himself. It was uh, it was uh, it was uh, uh, God the Son who was to uh, who was to uh, keep up Abraham's offspring's. Into uh, the bargain, that's the same thing that that's the same way that he works uh, works within us. How is it guaranteed that we're going to per- persevere to the end? Because uh, God Himself, uh, God Himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is going to guarantee, is going to uh, guarantee, going to actually do the work of preservation uh, Himself. That's uh, in that that's the whole framework here. Okay, are you going to work to your own? Are you going to look to your own ability to uh, persevere to the end? Or are you going to look look to the grace of God uh, as your preservation, uh, almost like a uh, salt, pres- you know, a salt preservation, uh, like a salt house that we're going to be preserved, seasoned with the salt of grace. Uh, to be preserved until uh until the end yeah that that's the distinction that's the distinction that we're making that we're making here okay uh and that's that's motivating not demotivating to pursue holiness mm-hmm. because we know um it, it's kind of like it's kind of like God promising you know us a million dollars. If you drive to, hey, I don't know, Amarillo, Texas or whatever. And uh, if you drive to Amarillo, Texas, there's a million dollars to be had there for you.
1: And that's a really easy drive, by the way. You hit I 40, about six hours down the road. Boom.
2: Boom. Well, it's got to be further than six it's about hours. 10, about yeah.
1: 10 or 11, yeah. How, how far is it to Amarillo? We'll find out. <laughs> I'm just curious.
2: But it's it's like that, and assuring that, oh, uh, if you need a if you get a flat tire, I'm going to provide it. If you run out of gas, I'm going to provide it. If you know, he's a, he's assuring that he'll deliver everything to you along the way. But how is that? You know, that's motivating. Oh, okay, all I have to do is all I have to do is do it. Mm-hmm.
3: Seven hours. It, Seven hours. 30. 39 minutes.
2: Yeah, but that's not including when you stop at Bucky's.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. So about 10 hours. Yeah, 10 yeah. hours. <laughs> um, and one thing that you're saying there that is a good transition to the next chapter, which is confirmation. The The efforts that, resu- that result from the believers looking to Christ produces holiness within us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why holiness does not come from ourselves, because the only way we even become more holy is when we're starting to look to Christ more. Um, because holiness is the process and the state of which we look like Christ. Christ
2: being conformed to the image of yes. his son, Romans chapter 8.
1: In 1 Corinthians 1 says he is our sanctification. Yeah. He is. Yeah. So there is no sanctification that looks less like Christ or further away from Christ. So the more that we want to imitate Christ as we're commanded to be imitators of God as mm-hmm. beloved children, um, we start to look more like Christ. And Spurgeon is going to turn around and say that product of this growth and holiness is a good thing for the church, and it is a good thing for themselves, and it's a good thing for the world. He calls it the confirmed believer. So the next chapter is confirmation. Uh, Self explanatory. Um, he says this divine confirmation can only be enjoyed by those to whom the grace of God has been already manifested. So the, per- the, the person who is confirmed in the faith is the one who has already tasted the grace of God. Yeah. So what is confirmation? Confirmation is by the grace of God. It's an act or, or a product of the grace of God. It is, as Spurgeon said, the work of the Holy Spirit. He who gives faith strengthens and establishes it. He who kindles love in us preserves it and increases its flame. He, before that, he says this. Think of a confirmed, uh, or uh, let me back up one more sentence. It would be an awful thing to confirm a man in a ways of sin and error. Think of a confirmed drunkard or a confirmed thief or a confirmed liar. It would be a deplorable thing for a man to be confirmed in unbelief. And ungodliness. But then on the flip side next page, page 98, says this. What a strength to a church is a confirmed Christian. He is a comfort to the sorrowful and a help to the weak. Would you not like to be such? Confirmed believers are pillars in the house of our God. These are not carried away by every wind of doctrine nor overthrown by sudden temptation. They are a great stay to others and act as anchors in the time of church trouble. You who are beginning the holy life hardly dare to hope that you will become like them, but you need not fear. The good Lord will be work, will work in you as well as in them. One of these days you who are now a babe in Christ shall be a father in the church. Hope for this great thing, but hope for it as, as a gift for of grace and not as the wages of work. Mm. So in other words, hope for it that God will do it in you, not that you will do it in yourself or as the product of your own energy.
2: Right. Right.
1: But what a grace of God it is. Amen. The confirmed believer.
2: Yeah. Two things there. One is that it's good to remember that, uh, you know, work is required in the Christian life. It's not that we're just passive, and uh, that you know that is a that is a hard thing to uh, that. This is kind of a confusing thing to understand. We're not passive in our sanctification, but it's the Spirit working in and through us. So all of our striving, uh, you know, let's say, uh, let's say later today. I'm faced with some sort of temptation and overcome it. Uh the the uh the biblical reality uh is that I overcame that temptation, but it's because of the spirit's life and work, uh life and work in me. So the the again, it's all of grace. You know, I can't, you know, I can't take credit for it. Uh, because it's not of my own spiritual life or power. That's it's still, um, it's still spiritual life and power given to me, received from, uh, receive, accomplishing Christ and received from uh, the regeneration of of the Holy Spirit. So all of our operations in the Christian life. That's why it's called a new life. It's called a new heart. It's called regeneration. But it's born into a new it's born into a new nature. And now we have a spiritual upright nature. We we can't take credit for any of that. We can't take credit for any strives and holiness uh because it's it's this new life that's been given to us being given to us by God. So it's all of grace. Every aspect of growth and sanctification in the Christian life, we're we're giving that credit back to the Lord because we know it's the Spirit working in and through us. Now that being said, uh, it's not uh, so that I'm not getting into works-based sanctification here. That being said, the Spirit doesn't work in us passively, uh, or we we don't go through sanctification of the Christian life passively. That um uh you know well i'm not being sanctified because the spirit's not sanctifying me
1: yeah like the spirit's lifting up your arms to pick up exactly. the bible and open it and it's, then your yeah. I- spirit's guiding your eyes
2: right, right 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 or you know i don't have uh um i i you know i i can't fight the sin yet because the spirit hasn't given me motivation to yet
1: yeah so, it, it dude yeah. that is the most prominent
3: thing yeah. right there what's well, where you i think are our- sinful hearts kind of naturally want to use that as an excuse and I think that's why James is pretty clear uh, right. do do not blame god for your right. temptation
2: right right and so they're expecting you know there's that and that's that's pretty common um mm-hmm. that's pretty common some people some people sure use it as an excuse but other people are just le- not confirmed they're just not confirmed in their faith, which Spurgeon speaks to. There's a category for Spurgeon for a, for a weak Christian, for a someone who needs to be established, someone who needs to be more um, uh, grounded uh, in their faith. That's what he's. That's what he's speaking to here. Um, we, you know, which is good. Um, it's good to have that category. This that that's a real category of Christian there that needs to be. You know, discipled, encouraged, and and uh, more confirmed in their faith, as as Spurgeon as Spurgeon would say. But that that that's the note that I would that I wanted to make is that um, it's not this uh, passive thing. And so, and then the last thing that I thought of in in relation to this, as I was reading it, is is the point that you just read there of looking to those who are looking to those who are more, uh, uh, who are confirmed, uh, and you thinking that, oh, I'll never, you know, I'll never be that, I'll you know, I'll never be that. And Spurge is encouraging them while you're yet a babe, you will, will, you will be yet uh, a father in the faith. You can't, uh, you know, you just how you can't really look to yourself. You can't really look at other people and compare your, sanctification to other people especially if you're a new christian uh you know you can't i'm still this way i look at men and women in the church and wonder i'm like lord i'm not sure if i'll ever be (laughs) i'm not sure if i'll ever be that godly Mm -hmm. and you know i'm still that way not that i get down about myself but it's like there's people who you know their walk with the lord is so inspiring and uh it's, it, you know, it's inspiring kind of like the sentiment that Spurgeon's talking about here. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's hard to think that I'll ever, that I'll ever get there. Mm-hmm. But that's the way that, that's the way that the Lord works.
1: Yeah. One thing you said at the first part of that, you're talking about kind of the the paradox of, it's not us working, but there are things we must do. Right. Um, think of the book of Ephesians. Uh, I think it's Ephesians two, five, maybe two, six, but God being rich in mercy because the great love with which you loved us, even when our, we were dead in our trespasses, made us mm-hmm. t- alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved through faith. Yeah. Um, uh, made us and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's all God. Cannot get that confused. In other words, God has made you a new creation. But then in Ephesians chapter four, he says, um, talking about the Gentiles, you know, sensuality, alienated in their understanding, uh, because they're alienated from the life of God. That is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. So, and then he goes on to, to say what we were taught. We are taught to put off the old self. Yeah. Wait, it says in Ephesians 2 God put off the old self for us. And he has also put on the new self for us, uniting us with Christ in the heavenly places. But at the same time, we were taught to put off the old self. And we were taught to be renewed in the spirit of the mind. Mm-hmm. And we were taught to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So on yeah, one are, hand... Those
2: are imperatives. Or imperatives. Or exp- giving us something to do. Yes. Application.
1: And then the rest of the book. The, yeah, the rest of the book from chapter 4 on. Uh, I therefore urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the paradox in one verse. You have been called. Of, yeah. We would call this the effectual calling. It, it wasn't just a general calling. Right. It worked in you. It raised you up. But you're commanded to walk in a manner worthy of that
2: calling. Yeah.
1: So in other words, you are a new creature, and now you are commanded to live as a new creature.
2: Live, Yeah, live like the new creature. Right.
1: Where is it
3: at that it says um, it lists? You know, you were the this and this and this and this, and it's like, and so you you were this like um,
2: such oh, were some of you. Yes,
3: such were some of you. Uh, right. First Corinthians six. Yes. Okay. So he's he's saying such were some of you. Um, you're not these things anymore, and at the same time, put off these things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of a dual. Yeah. Because you are a new creation, you're commanded to live as a new creation. Right. Yes. Right. And where we get where so many false believers go wrong? Oh, I am a new creation.
2: Oh, that's what this. This is what I was going to say.
1: I am a new creation. Yeah, but I can live like a.
2: Well, the point that he was saying, you know, uh, you know, far, uh, what did it, what was he talking about? He was talking. He was lamenting the fact that, you know, should we confirm people in their sin? Should we, uh, you read it, so I'm not going to reread it, but he's talking about, you know, someone who's confirmed in their drunkenness or someone who's confirmed in their, uh, he gave a couple other examples, sin, but basically just confirmed in their sin. And when I was reading that though, uh, culturally we do that all the time, Mm -hmm. Uh, both, both in and outside of the name of Christ. Uh, I mean, we know the world's going to confirm themselves in their sin. The Gentiles, the, you know, the pagans, they're going to confirm themselves in their sin. Uh, But this happens, this happens. uh, We've talked about this concept every episode in All of Grace. uh, But this happens all too often in the church as well. Mm. And... uh, I mean, we, I don't want to go back to it. We talked about that a lot in the chapters on repentance. But just again, you know, we can't confirm to uh, at your point, the riff you just went on, we need to live like the new creation. That's what we're imperatively called, uh, You, God commanded to do throughout the scriptures. So to tell someone, you know, to tell someone, well, it's like Paul says in in Romans chapter six: "Should we sin that grace may abound?" By no means. And so to say, uh, you don't in a, in effect or in practice, you don't have to give up your sin. God's going to forgive; grace is going to abound and keep abounding. While that's true, that's not the that's not the perspective that we that we live by. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no sin that I'm going to commit that Christ says, "Well, you've exceeded your limit." um but that doesn't give me license to sin mm-hmm. uh, you know if that's that that's what Paul's getting after here um, it's not a get out of you know it's not a commit sin for free card
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're about to say and you're like wait a minute that yeah, don't exactly fit Let me uh, let me distort yeah, it Yeah, let little me bit. edit it <laughs> get to sin free card so many of us believe in those things that, and if 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 we're being honest, many of us—I say us—many of them believe that that is what justification is—a a get into sin free card. Well,
3: that's why I think Paul prefaces in Romans. He's like, "Should we sin? All you know, the
2: more that Should grace we, may yeah. abound."
1: And he's like, "By no means." That's what people really are implying when they say, "Oh, God will forgive me."
2: That, absolutely. That's the that's the exact sentiment Paul's speaking to there. Yeah. Oh, you know oh, what? Yeah.
1: His his grace will be shown in this. Yeah. Oh, his grace will be shown in this. Whereas Spurgeon is saying that is no that's sign of justification. Na-
2: that's not the nature yeah. of a new creation. He says
1: on page ninety nine, to be kept holy is better than merely to be kept safe. So he's.
2: Oh, that's good.
1: He's adding to this. That's good. What does this perseverance look like? Yeah. Perseverance is not about being kept safe. Perseverance is about being kept holy. Mm-hmm. He has made you holy, is making you holy, and will, and will preserve you. Yeah, holy. Because what Christ is, what Christ is doing, is washing the bride with His Word. Yeah and will present her to himself blameless you know the christ will be the the church will be kept mm-hmm. beautiful pure before him
2: it's uh, not safe in the sense that you can look throughout church history and see that uh and see times where uh christians in the church are not protected in the way that you you would think that they should be or ought to be Um, thinking about, you know, persecutions and martyrdom uh, and things of that nature. That's what Spurgeon's talking about when he said, look, it's not, you know, protection or safety is not what you're, what you're after in perseverance. That's not, you can look at times throughout church history and say, well, the church is not being preserved. Uh, And in the moment, yeah, it doesn't look like that, it doesn't feel like that, but in the big scheme of things, no, the Lord is absolutely preserving his church. But preservation doesn't look like it doesn't look like um um safety, but it looks like holiness. Mm. It looks like man. Uh, yeah, it looks like uh uh it looks like being conformed to the image of Christ who did not live a safe life.
1: That is such a good clarification on the doctrine of preservation, on the doctrine of perseverance. Because we get so caught up in the fact that God is keeping us safe. And we haven't even, usually we haven't even touched, tapped into the reality. That's not all that God desires. In fact, that's not what God desires. In the doctrine of perseverance and God preserving us in our perseverance, He is keeping us holy, blameless, way way past mere safety. Yeah. And, and this affects our evangelism. So when we go across the center, of course.
2: And, for, or, and for, for some of us, let's not let's not you know kind of be uh, just a quick note. For some of us uh, still for the most part now, we are kept very safe by the Lord. And I'm I'm thankful for that. So I'm not going to pretend that, you know, I'm not wanting to say these things pretending that I haven't enjoyed a life of protection and prosperity uh, in the grand, you know, in the grand scheme of things.
1: Yeah, and that is a work of God. Right. But that's not the um, primary end goal. Primary and gold holiness, which right, is right. a common denominator in all believers, all times, everywhere, even of various yeah. liberties that we may have.
3: I mean, and if things were to change, you know, and where we're at, right, in America, the attitude of the Christians should still be to live as Christ and to die as gain. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, there's, what a what a great honor w- would it be
1: to, to give your life for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Really, really good. The way that this affects our evangelism really affects our evangelism. I've seen in practice um, with the false believer, false convert. I've worked with several false converts. We see them everywhere. They need to be evangelized. Mm -hmm. Here's how Spurgeon tells us to evangelize them. Page 100, friend, just beginning in the divine life, the Lord can give you an irreproachable character. Even though in your past life you may have gone far into sin, the Lord can altogether deliver you from the power of former habits and make you an example of virtue. Yeah. So we can go to the false convert and say, look, you've been deceived and to think you've been deceived into believing in a God that can't save you from your sin. Mm-hmm. He can save you, he can give you justification as you claim. But apparently the God that you have been told to believe in cannot save you from your sin, since you're still lovingly living right. in it. Right. I'm not talking about slip ups here and there. Like you are, you clearly, boldly live in your sin. You've been told to believe in an idol, someone who can't save you from your sin. I present to you the triune God who can save you from your sinful lifestyle. Yeah. Now, it, a lot of the doctrine will look the same because we have clothed the true God with a false God um, by putting on a lot of these good doctrines. But. We haven't given the complete doctrine of the faith of the gospel that gives the Jesus who, as the angel said, he shall save them from their sins. Yeah, That is the true God. And that's what Spurgeon is talking about here. He can save you and bring you into an irreproachable life. It also gives hope to the man who's been really bad in his former life. It gives him hope
2: absolutely he
1: thinks oh i'm not there's no way i can be brought into this i'm not clean cut I'm not this and this and the other i did this in the past i did that in the past he can bring you so far that you are considered boom blameless yeah also encouraging to the christian who feels like they're just crawling
3: along yep. in their life
1: yes so um the last thing and then i do want to with the time we have left i want to ask you one more question it's an overarching question I like those overarching questions. uh,
2: Real quick, did you like his callback to uh, Pilgrim's Progress? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a note of that in mine uh, because he read it a lot. You know, if he were alive today, we could have him on the podcast to talk about Pilgrim's Progress. But we have Dr. Bush, which is basically the same as Spurgeon, who explained uh, Pilgrim's Progress to us. What does all this depend upon? Spurgeon says the attribute of God. Mm. 103. If we are found faithful, it would be because God is faithful. Yeah. On the faithfulness of our covenant, God, the whole burden of our salvation must rest. On this glorious attribute of God, the matter hinges. We are variable as the wind, frail as a spider's web, weak as water but it is God's attribute. speaking of God's faithfulness specifically, that preserves us to the end.
2: Yeah, uh, that's what, that's quote, that quote is what I was thinking of earlier and talking about, you know, this goes all the way back to, you know, the covenant with Abraham fulfilled in the new covenant in Christ. Um, and he gets into that. Uh, explicitly talking about Adam being our representative and our our first representative or federal head, and then uh, uh, and then both dead and raised in Christ. He says, "As Adam stood for his descendants, so does Jesus stand for all who are in Him. Uh, as husband and wife are one, so is Jesus one with all those the, all those who are united to Him by faith." Uh, one by a conjugal union that can never be broken. More than this, believers are members of the body of Christ and so are one with him by a loving, living, lasting union. God has called us into this union, this fellowship, this partnership, and by this very fact, he has given us the token and pledge of our being confirmed to the end. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect marriage covenant um, that uh, that... You know, we see people get married and commit what the Bible has them to commit and covenant to, but but become covenant breakers in their marriage. But this is a perfect union that that will not be broken between Christ and his and his church. Yes, and it's a, it, that's really where all this is is grounded in. So it's all of grace, and uh, we look to. It's all of grace, and you know every every spiritual blessing under the heavens is to be found in Christ Jesus our Lord.
1: Union with Him—that's yeah. our ultimate hope. Yeah. And so that-
2: how, how exactly? So how is it that you're going to persevere? Because Christ perseveres, and if you're in Him, then uh, then <laughs> you, then you will persevere. Spurgeon talks about it like a. Uh, if both of you are in a boat, uh, he will have to drown for you to drown.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he says it. Another way he says it: You can never be poor while Jesus is rich, since you are one firm. You are in one firm with him. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, G.K. Bill just came out with a new book. Actually, no, it hasn't released yet. Could you see uh, uh, Trinity? When when is the date of that book? You know G.K. Bill, right?
2: Uh, I mean we hang out we
1: <laughs> it's like 90. What's the book called? Uh Union with Christ, GK Bill.
2: GK Bill is not 90, first of all.
1: I will say this, he's not 90, but he is the greatest living theologian. I will argue that. I'm I'm going to go on yeah, record to he's say he's been
2: great. I'm, I mean he is great. No, yeah. no,
1: no, 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 no. you're not saying enough. He is the greatest. Who's who's a better theologian than GK Bill right now? Um mm. and it, it's it's not off subject to go on a rant about G.K. Bill because he talks all about union with Christ. Yeah. Benefits of it. Uh, April 25th.
2: What's the book? I haven't been following him.
1: The sequel to his New Testament
3: theology. It's, no uh, way. It's Union with the Resurrected Christ. Um, yep. Uh, how I many heard, pages? I've,
2: I've heard he really likes tacos.
3: Ooh. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, uh 576.
1: Not bad. It's about the size of his shorter commentary on the book of Revelation, which people should read. Not <laughs> um,
2: the larger commentary.
1: Harder to get to. Yeah. But that'd be worth reading also. 1000 pages.
2: That's One volume nuts. maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. What is our comfort and perseverance? Our union with Christ—that's mm-hmm. the best way to look to Christ.
2: What? What? Oh, you're just—you just thought of the book because it's about union, union with Christ. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah.
3: Last question that yeah,
2: I—Bill was the man, though.
3: Yeah. He's not ninety, but he's—he's he's close. How old is he's, he? Well, he's not close actually. He's seventy-four, but he's getting there. Sixteen years.
1: That's pretty yeah. close. When you start. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I'm uh, practicing self control with my <laughs> jokes. Here's another thing Spurgeon said. One time Spurgeon got in trouble for his jokes in a sermon. An old lady says, "Spurgeon, you say too many jokes." He said, "But oh, if you knew how many jokes I didn't say, yeah, you would applaud me." Yeah, yeah. That's that. That describes me. People think I'm trying to be funny all the time. I'm not trying to be funny. In fact, a lot of times people don't even. Only person laughing at my jokes are me. <laughs> But I just spurt out these things that I think are funny. Runs those.
2: Those are just the things that didn't make it. That made it past the filter. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They'd slip through. Um. And that runs in my family too. My dad is that way. My uncle. My first cousin. I'm that way. Yeah. Or yeah. Just not funny. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. I'm I'm messing. It's um. But my cousin in particular is way funnier. And he says way more jokes than what I do. Does way more funny stuff than me. So that's how I relate to Spurgeon. Last question I have for you with the time we have left. Um we have a we we have the cover of Olive of Grace. It's beautiful. A beautiful cover.
2: Free really, Grace Press edition.
1: Yeah, Free Grace Press edition of Olive of Grace has a beautiful book. Describe it to us. What do you think it's trying to convey to us, Danny? So first off describe it and then say what do you think the, the one is. Cover design is by Josh Nadu or Nadeau. Credit to Josh Nadeau for the cover design.
2: Uh it's a cup or goblet looking thing. Like a king's uh like what a king would drink out of.
1: Okay. And So like a, a chalice?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chalice, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, there's a city coming out of the top of it, and there's uh, there's water spilling out, like overflowing. Um, I actually don't know. Did he refer- Did he talk about? Did he make this reference? I don't know.
1: Um, I'm sure he did. We just missed it, or. Didn't underline it or talk about it or something. The chalice. The cup of salvation. Here's another picture Josh and did. Looked oh, him up it's on here, Facebook. It's here. Cover design guy.
2: Com- comic.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say that the kingdom of God is found in the cup of the covenant.
2: Huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot.
1: Because you see some, you see water coming out of it. But it's not red. I figured it'd be red, being blood of Christ. But
2: I mean, maybe we'll just have to ask him. Or I know Steve McCaskill, who edited this edition. I'm sure that he commissioned the cover art. We should ask him.
3: New segment: Classic Cast reviews art.
1: Yeah, um, reviews book covers. <laughs> There's a classic conversation <laughs> cover art
2: on we, books. We should do a uh, yeah. We with with every book we should review the cover on the first episode.
3: Yeah. Hey, Alan Nelson's new book. That
1: cover is awesome. Yeah, it is legit. Really is. Well, um, when are we going to announce the next book that we're going to read? Because we're doing it next week.
2: Right. Might, or, might as well tell them right now.
1: Okay. Did you get in touch with that?
2: I haven't heard back yet.
1: No. New phone who dissed. New phone who dissed you.
2: Phone, who dissed you? Uh, <laughs> no, it was one of those. Uh, yeah, I'll get back to you. Oh,
1: okay. You are officially lost in the boneyard of emails.
2: That's that's basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. I gotta I got to send a refresher. Yeah. Gotta send a reminder email.
1: You're gonna be like that dude um knocking on the window. Hey. I don't even hey,
2: mind no. because uh I don't even mind because that I'm not the best when it comes to keeping up with email requests either.
1: No, you're not. That's a good humble confession. <laughs>
2: I can't complain.
1: Uh, drum roll, please. What's the next book that we're reading, and why?
2: Uh, we're doing Holiness by J.C. Ryle because it's a great, because it's a classic. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Um. No, it's a good, it's a good follow-up to. This is an evangelistic book. This is a gospel call, uh, book. Uh, holiness, well, one, to my shame, I still haven't read it. It's just one of those books that I always talk to people about. Not like I pretend to know the book, but it comes up in conversation often, and people are shocked when I haven't read it. So it's like, okay, I'm finally, enough of that. I'm going to read it.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh. So, uh, uh, again, part of the motivation for this podcast. But also, it's a good follow-up to... Uh, an an evangelistic book like this. Mm -hmm. You know, more about the Christian life, walking in holiness. It picks up right where we concluded here with with Spurgeon about uh, preservation and the Lord's work in our life until future glorifications.
1: Yeah. It's a good it gives good definitions of deeper definitions of some things we've talked about, but it's Mm -hmm. also good in the practice. So we've talked a lot about um, the importance of being blameless and holy. Yeah. Somebody should ask the question, well, how can I be those things in mm-hmm. my in my life? Mm-hmm. And Ryle is going to give some specific ways for that. Have you read it? I've listened to the audiobook twice, working on my third one.
2: Oh, okay. Third, so third you're, third getting, you're getting after it.
1: Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to take it in, in three different ways. I'm going to read a hardcover. I'm going to highlight on logos. So what I'm going to bring to the Episodes. It's my computer. Oh,
2: look at you.
1: And then throughout the week, I'm going to listen to that chapter. Yeah. So I'm going to get it three ways, uh, three different modes of um, communication. So just try to soak it in as much as I can. Get get the most out of the book that I can. Get
2: it in. I'm excited.
3: Ryle's good. Yeah. And we might, if we do your idea, there might potentially be another Ryle book that's shorter. We'll wait. About. We'll wait. To, we'll, wa- uh, we'll wait for that. But there's a little little nugget. Huh. yeah, interesting. We well, t- we talked about it.
1: Cool. CD and D two coming at you, recording direct from the classic cast, or we just roll with it. Hey, we should. So strange. Yeah. Um, there's another subgroup of people here that we may have forgotten about. And those are the people who have been born again, who are in a, uh, the deep end of fighting sin. Yeah. Sometimes get discouraged to the point of asking themselves, am I even born again? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The counsel to those people, there's uh, there's specific words to say for them. You have more experience, far more experience than I do. Uh, I don't have experience per se. I just have the scriptures on this. Um, yeah, I, I could assume you being the minister of a, healthy church you've talked a lot with people who are in this state where they truly are born again and they don't need to be told that they're not Christians or anything like that they just need to be helped you know mm-hmm. we're commanded to bear one another's burdens there's a reason we have each other yeah you know we're all responsible for our own sin but we all have the luxury of reaching out to other brothers to help us with these sins yeah yeah and we should never say oh figure it out yourself you have your own tools yeah um, but one thing that it could be reduced down to is is just do it, just fight it. Now, it's not as simple as saying that just do it, just kill it. Um, but when it comes to cussing,
2: it hey, just stop sinning.
1: Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> hey, just stop it, just stop. quit it. But really, though, at the same time, we because you have been born again, you have been given this new heart. Just stop it. Yeah, and you'll realize even the disgruntled, discouraged Christians who are in over their heads. Are doing certain things that are not just stopping it yeah but rather keeping it going mm-hmm. and what they need to do is just stop doing this certain just stop going that direction mm-hmm. just stop picking this up at this time yeah just stop hanging around with the you really just got to stop or if they're struggling with um, spiritual disciplines, look you've been born again, you've been given faith, just read the Bible. Stop waiting on yeah. the desire to do it. Stop waiting on this rush of motivation and emotion in order to start doing it. Just commit mm-hmm. to today reading two chapters and just sit down. Just turn the TV off and just do it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes
3: it, it can help. Man, just read a psalm. Yeah. Start going through the psalms. First of all, you hear uh, so so much encouragement um, from the psalms. The psalms uh, can teach you how to pray. Um, You know, and a lot of them are are short. You know, I think if you're really struggling and you're in despair, it's a bad time to try and do an in-depth study. Don't sit there and try because you're going to get burnt out. And just, man, just read. Go to the short epistles that you can sit there. There there are three, four chapters. Read them in one setting and just soak up uh, the gospel of Christ um, and press on. yeah.
2: Yeah, usually it's uh, new believers, and they just haven't been told how to, uh, you know, okay, here are the spiritual weapons to fighting sin and the devil. Um, they, You know, that's it's an area of discipleship. Some people in their conversion, the Lord, let's say it's some addiction, the Lord radically uh, just takes... You know, I was talking to someone yesterday and uh, hearing her testimony and she was just, she said, look, the Lord just took any desire for drunkenness and other things, uh, uh, drugs, drunkenness, amongst other things, uh, away from me. Haven't desired it since. Not had to, it, it just, you know, just taken. Uh, other times people are, I believe, truly converted. And they're like, hey, I hate this, but I can't, I I can't seem to kick this, this one sin. I don't want to harbor it. Um, I don't, it's not this thing that I'm trying to hold on to, but, um, you know, so their heart's away from it, but they're still enslaved to it in a way. Uh, Well, that's an area of uh, Christianity that that they're requiring discipleship in. So, yeah, just, you know, uh, again, it's about, uh, again, it's about the heart. Okay, why are you still in the sin? Is it because you want to be? Well, uh, you could say in one way, yes. Uh, Yeah, the, the, the flesh still desires it, but I hate it. Okay, well, we can, that, that. Uh, that is, in my opinion, in my reading of scripture, that is a, a category of Christian, and uh, so those are the those are the people you come alongside and help uh, the people wanting to harbor their sin, saying, you know, no, actually, I wanted to keep this one around. Uh, that's the ones that 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 we we should lovingly ask critical, you know, critical questions of, and and. Make sure that that they've uh, called upon, uh, confessed their sin, and believed upon Christ. Yeah,
1: yeah. You so when again comes to the doctrine of regeneration, um, as you're saying those things of verse came to my mind. You think about this how. Uh, it's a declarative statement. We have been born again, but at the mm-hmm. same time, we're commanded to do certain things yeah. that are kind of mirrors of regeneration. Um, in Ephesians chapter four, he tells us we're no longer Gentiles, yeah. it, but at the same, so one through three is like, look, you're you have been reconciled to God. There is one spiritual yeah. Israel. Then he starts to tell us, don't. Therefore, I tell you, do not uh live, as, live the as the gentiles do. Yeah. Uh they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, mm-hmm. greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And then he says, "But that is not the way that you have learned Christ." Yeah. Assuming yeah. that you have heard about him and were taught in him mm-hmm. as the truth is in Jesus, and then the question is, what were we taught? To put off yeah. the old self, so we are we learn. Yeah. We are taught to put off the old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Mm -hmm. And we're taught, secondly, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. And then thirdly, uh, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So there's a declarative statement, we are the new selves. But secondly, we are taught to put on the new self. Uh, to live in righteousness and holiness. Um, you think about this. We have been saved by grace. The Holy Spirits have enlightened our mind to the saving knowledge of God. But then in Second Peter, it also commands us, but grow in grace and the knowledge of Christ. Yeah. Um, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, on top of that, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, talks about the grace of God in Christ being like a schoolmaster or a trainer. Uh, Starting in verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that we might re- that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works um so we have that same you know that same concept there of It starts with grace that's been revealed in Jesus Christ that teaches us, that trains us uh, into godliness. Going back to uh, the beginning of your point, the Scripture talks about when we're talking about repentance, uh, that's that's an aspect of sanctification, and the uh, doctrinally or theologically. We make a differentiation between positional and, and progressive sanctification. Uh, positional, positionally, uh, or let's say ultimately, uh, uh, you could say uh, in the guy in the eyes of the Lord we're sanctified. Uh, but experientially, as we live the Christian life, sanctification is a process. The Scripture talks about. Riffing off of where you began, it talks about us being saved, having been saved, that we are currently being saved, and also talks about that we will be saved. Uh, okay, well, it's not so so clearly. There's a uh, a journey, uh, a a process here uh, that is going to be completed by the Lord, who is the author and both the author and finisher, finisher of our faith mm Yes. So, yeah, these are big biblical concepts that uh, kind of encapsulate or overarch repentance. Uh, but clearly, repentance is is part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. A lot of us talking about repentance, we can apply to sanctification generally.
1: Yeah. You know, I think about Whitfield who preached the new birth. If not the main theme, one of the main themes of his sermons was the new birth. You know, when he goes around essentially street preaching to thousands of people at a time, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. The new birth, the new birth, mm-hmm. the new birth. And that goes back to the practicality of the new birth for the sinner. Well, if this is a work of God, if this is a da-da-da, this is, um, what is it for me? Well, calling you to faith. And yeah. in in those means, the Lord is bringing about the new birth if you come to faith. Yeah. Um, but and then it doesn't stop there because of the new birth, because yeah. of the reality of the new birth, as you're uh, talking about. Because we have been saved, He's also giving us His Word to continue to save us. Mm-hmm. Up until the day that He will save us, um, see regeneration makes it possible for us to be a pure bride on the day of our Lord. Yep, Paul speaks so often about the p- presenting you pure and blameless yep. before the Lord. Um, you know, one awesome trait about our wives is that they try to continue to be attractive to us. One of the most, um vital traits of a marriage is that we continue to try to win our spouse. You know, Danny, imagine if you did all these things to get Ariel to win her over. And then as soon as you won her, you stopped those things. Altogether stopped it. Yeah. Just
3: really let yourself go.
1: Yeah. You start, you know, Doing all this nasty stuff, which you probably do anyways. Oh man, I'm like a
2: fine wine. <laughs> Get better with time. I just, I'm just getting better. Everything better with time, gets yeah.
1: better with time and time is forever. Um imagine if our wives, on the other hand, they which some women apparently do. You hear of the issues men have with their uh girlfriends, whatever. Like they they're just a different person when I start dating them. And then you hear of them getting back together. But I broke up with them, and they became this angel. Mm. What happens there is the lady knows exactly how to get the guy. But her, her her sole purpose of acting that way is to get what she wants. And after she gets what, what she wants, she's it's not who she is. Not who she is. She goes back to being lazy and doesn't try. She's mean, da-da-da. Hold on you Imagine if we were that way. We've been born again. We have this faith. We call upon the name of the Lord. And after that, it's like, ah, but I don't really love him. The truth is, we're the spouse. We are the church, the bride. Yeah. And he desires that we be holy and blameless, spotless and clean. He has cleansed us and he will continue to cleanse us.
2: Another biblical analogy is the parable of the sower. Some seed was sowed on rocky ground, sprouted up quickly, uh, but then uh, quickly. Uh, quickly died or quickly fell away as fast as it sprouted up. It was, you know, the most, uh, it was the, uh, um, yeah, it wasn't, it, there, there was no true vitality there. Yeah. It was just thrown on the rock on the gravel it had no roots spread. Yeah. Sprouted shallow, quick roots and grew up a little bit. Um, that's how this particular weed is in my yard. It it's one of the first things that grows in the spring. It has really shallow roots, but that sucker shoots up, man. And the the key is you got to catch it and pull it before it it uh um I don't know if it looks like a dragon. So I don't even want to call it a blossom, but before it produces uh the seed then the wind blows, and then next thing I know, I've got ten other of these weeds in the yard. They got to pull up. Mm. It's, it's it's like a dragon. I call it the dragons. When I'm going out to weed them, I tell Ariel, I was like, I'm going to slay the dragons. <laughs> hey, I want to uh, point out one last thing when we wrap up in in chapter 16, how repentance is given. Sp- uh, Spurgeon uh, pull a sneaky one on you. Uh, he's like this magician. Uh, uh, page eighty-five, chapter sixteen, second paragraph: The work which our Lord Jesus has done has made repentance possible, available, and acceptable. The law makes no mention of repentance, but says plainly, "The soul who sins shall die." Ezekiel eighteen twenty. If the Lord Jesus had not died and risen again, and gone and gone into the Father, what would your repenting your mind be worth? We might feel remorse with its horrors, but never repentance with its hopes. He he, weaved it in, man. He weaved it in the chapter. We thought, you know, dude, what are you doing? Uh, uh, you know, talking about the resurrection of Christ. Always back to that, right? Right there at the end, he's t- he ties it in.
1: It's all of grace. A little
2: little misdirection for us. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Um. So good. Thankful for this. Thankful that we're going through this book. Uh, Um, One
2: more episode, just a few more pages, honestly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just not going to take any time in order to finish this book. Then we'll move on to our next one. A couple good ideas coming up in the future. Again, reach out. um, Check in to um, Quattro's book. Ellen Nelson IV, The Change of Heart. This is a good companion to what we're talking about in this section. I just saw, too, uh, this is going to come out much later than what is going on today, but Zeteo Coffee, we'll post it on our social media. Zeteo Coffee uh, is giving all of their tip money and 10% of all of their proceeds to help with the damage caused by the tornado. Oh, wow. Uh, Which is another reason why you should shop Zeteo Coffee. Again, we'll post that on social media. That way, if you want some coffee today, but you want to help out and are unable to help out um, directly, you can indirectly help out with that by getting what you want from the right place, which is Tao Coffee, our friend John Mitchell over there. They also have a new to-go shop in um, Spring Hill on the way to Green Bay. Uh Looking forward to the future, guys. CD, D2, coming at you recording direct from the Classic Cast, where we just roll with it.